Come gather round the campfire and hear our ghostly tales of chilling terrors, darkest woes, and anything that goes bump in the night. So cuddle up with your best friend or dare it alone. The darkness is closing in and spirits are calling your name. This is Fireside Phantoms. Snuffle up. Yeah, yeah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling better. I'm still draining though. Oh. Yeah. So I still have a little bit of a cough and a lot of post nasal drip, which I hate. So. Yummy. <laughs> well, do you want to go first today to get sure. it over with? I'll give it, <laughs> yeah, that's a good <laughs> way of putting it. <laughs> cool. So remember um, a couple of weeks ago when I did the court cards for the cups and the wands? Oh, yes. Well, today I'm going to continue down that rabbit hole and I'm going to do the swords and the pentacles. Excellent. All right. Let's get going here. And again, I took this off of a blog I wrote a long time ago, so it's a little flowery in the writing, but uh, bear with me. I didn't want to rewrite it. I'm lazy. Okay. <laughs> the great and powerful brain consists of interwoven gray matter that twists and turns through our skulls, sending electrical impulses all over our body, consuming our visual, auditory, olfactory, gust gustatory, and tactile senses, mm. and assigning perception, meaning, and emotion to their context. This powerful master acts as the control center for our lives, is ruled by the element of air, and represented by the mighty suit of swords in the tarot. Considered as the darkest suit in the cards, the swords speak to the pain, fear, insecurity, anxiety, and exhaustion that an overworked brain can bring. And death. <laughs> and death. It also speaks to the brilliant, confident, and competitive nature that one can harness with a highly intelligent mind. The nerds in the suit of swords family know exactly how to wield their great swords of intellect. They represent the best brains out there and can debate on any topic all day long. Though you may learn a thing or two from these geeks, they may not always be kind when touting their superior smarts as they do not care too much about emotions or hurt feelings. Their sharp looks, dark or black hair, blue, green or gray eyes, fair skin, no-nonsense personalities, any of the air signs, Aquarius, Libra or Gemini, and smart character traits either compel others toward them or turn them away. Below, these four family members find themselves under a microscope as we analyze and explore what makes them tick. The first one I have is the Page of Swords. The Page of Swords is a child of either sex knocking on the door of puberty. The Page is precocious, curious, independent, and loves to learn. She or he is also nosy, always trying to discover the secrets that adults keep hidden from view or investigating something under wraps. The Page of Swords can talk your ear off and ask a lot of questions. Why? 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 Mm -hmm. Why? <laughs> As all pages are, this page is a messenger. Her message can be about anything, but sometimes they are not so kind, immature gossip. Her appearance in your tarot spread means it is time to develop your rational mind and educate yourself in a new way. She suggests taking some classes, learning a new skill, or finding out information about a person, place, or thing in your life that requires more attention from you. She also reminds you to keep your temper in check. The reverse or compromise page of swords is someone who acts defensively, lashing out at others because they themselves are hurting. This can show up as a troublemaker at home and or school or the office gossip that no one trusts. She is spiteful and can take extreme action towards tearing others down 
On the other hand, the reverse page may not stand up for herself, lacks confidence, and can even become physically violent when it is not necessary. This card can also represent a project that is having difficulty getting started or failing to deliver promises. The reverse page can even indicate stuttering, psychological abuse, or physical abuse, suicidal thoughts, or autism. For a celebrity, I picked Bobby Fischer, the child chess master. Yeah, and I was thinking of Hermione Granger. Oh, sure. Uh, the character in Harry Potter. Of course, that's very intelligent, a... and she yeah. tries to uncover everything. And of course, you would make a, a Harry Potter of reference. Of course, of course. Yeah. <laughs> that's where my mind went. There you go. So my next one is the Knight of Swords. Um, that sudden gust of wind that just swept past you was most likely the Knight of Swords galloping towards his next quest. The Knight is a fast young man. He flits from idea to idea, lever to lever, and experience to experience. So fast, you're not even sure he was ever there. He strives for learning as much as he can, as fast as he can. He is a sharp communicator, but has very little patience for any emotional nonsense. He just wants the facts, ma'am. He has trouble sticking to any one thing because he is distracted by all he has to learn. He represents sudden abrupt change, shaking up consistent patterns, bringing in new ideas and excitement. However, his darting back and forth between adventures can bring chaos and disarray to one's life. The knight can be a bit of a perfectionist, highly opinionated, arrogant, impatient, focused, communicative, and an intellectual snob. He's also all about mental stimulation, so he takes quick action and keeps himself moving so as not to get bored. He is an overly critical thinker, and he isn't shy about sharing his superior intellect with others. He is also quite fast at manifesting his goals. The reversed or compromised Knight of Swords has more trouble focusing than his upright counterpart. He disregards consequences, is argumentative, secretive, and full of quote-unquote hot air. He could be on the wrong side of an argument, his facts are wrong or mischecked, or he harps on things that are irrelevant. He can throw temper tantrums, seek revenge, make mistakes, and blame others for them. He is always looking for a fight. He can con others or hurt others for fun. He is a show-off and may challenge people to intellectual duels to flaunt his intellectual superiority. He can be verbally abusive or aggressive in the wrong places. Just like the page, the knight is in pain and takes it out on others. On the other hand, the reverse knight may become the victim of a con himself, lacks strength, or a strong focused mind. Health-wise, the knight has a predilection to violence, can find himself having accidents and getting wounded. For celebrities, I put Doogie Howser, MD, <laughs> or Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. I like those. Then the next one is the Queen of Swords. Just like her family members, the Queen of Swords is smart and quick on her feet. She is focused, organized, perceptive, idealistic, and a visionary. The Queen is protective of herself and slow to trust others. She is assertive and fights for what is right, especially injustices or social causes. She knows how to use the right strategies in the right situations. She is a natural leader and dismisses anything that doesn't suit a highbrow intellect, such as small-minded people, ideas, or actions. The queen can intimidate and demand the absolute best, if not perfection, from those that work for her. The queen may be a leader of a company, a skilled researcher, attorney, teacher, scientist, or anything else that requires brain power. She is driven by her career and filled with ambition. She is aloof and a bit cool to others, though she has a fabulous dry sense of humor. 
She may or may not be married as she is very independent and the warmth of love and relationships is not typically at the top of her agenda. She has little desire to get into the muck of emotional entanglements. She may be divorced or widowed or even a spinster. When she appears in your spread, these idealistic visions may be developing within you. She suggests that others play by your rules and that you perfect your own perfectionism. The reversed or compromised Queen of Swords is insecure and lacks the total confidence that her upright side possesses. She overcompensates by being super judgmental, bitchy, very cold-hearted, and manipulative. She will constantly criticize others, refuses to listen to them, and employs deceit. She thinks she is smarter than everyone else and gets drunk on her own intellectual hubris. She becomes enraged when ignored or not heard. She may be the type to steal your ideas and claim them as her own or gather information on you to use against you at a later time. She is overly emotional, dependent, and much more vulnerable than her upside self. The queen reverse will delay important decision-making as she won't be sure what to do. She becomes overly self-critical and isolates herself from others. She has trouble making clear judgments. Health-wise, her appearance in a spread can indicate allergies or environmental hazards. For celebrities, I put people down like Hillary Clinton or Margaret Thatcher. And I'm thinking Maggie Smith, who plays the grandma on Downton Abbey. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And also um, the teacher McGonagall from Harry Potter. Of course. <laughs> Very good characters. Very good. Thank you, Carol. She pops in my mind. I might have Harry Potter roles for all of these You positions. probably do. You probably do. Okay. Okay. And the last one in the Swords family is the king, of course. All hail the king. Of course, this king is going to be the most intelligent with the highest principles and powers of reason and logic. This king also has a wonderful charm that allows him to sweet talk his way into and out of any situation presented to him. Typically, the smartest guy in the room, the king of swords, is diplomatic, stable, balanced, educated, a wonderful communicator, and he knows how to create harmony amongst his worker bees. He is diplomatic and is concerned with fairness in establishing the truth. A wise decision maker, he is a vast vessel of high level of knowledge with the ability to analyze complicated information. He is most likely working in the upper echelons of a corporation or government entity with the benefit of mankind as his motivation. Because of his intellectual prowess, he has amassed his own personal power and wields a great deal of authority. He comes up with great new ideas and could also be working well in the science and technology fields or in high levels of the military or the law. As with all the others in the family of swords, he is not an emotional person and does not do well with emotional arguments. He supports others out of duty or obligation. He believes strongly in truth and justice, which is reflected in his ethics. When he appears in a spread, it means you may need to develop your own intellect, high standards, principles, and ethics to advance yourself towards your goals. The reversed or compromised king of swords is very similar to his queen when she is compromised. He is hypercritical of others, aloof and cold. His charm turns to stone and he can even become aggressive in his dislike of those around him. He is a vindictive gossip, totally self-absorbed and solely focused on getting what he wants. This reversed king can be a tyrant, abusive and manipulative. His judgments overtake him and he becomes domineering, unkind and arrogant. He is angry, harsh, and unscrupulous. You may find yourself against him in a lawsuit where he cheats to win. This key may have become so disappointed by the systems he so dearly believed in, justice, politics, or business, that he is thrown in his hat and does not care anymore. He may even try to take things over from a superior partner or coworker. On the other hand, this king could simply be weak, have no more will to fight, 
cannot stand up for himself or anyone else and cannot make any decisions. His focus may be scattered and he is unable to leave. If regarding health concerns, it could indicate senility or other mental issues. For a celebrity, I picked uh, Tyrion Lannister from Game of Thrones. And I will pick Dumbledore <laughs> from Harry Potter. <laughs> well, this is a fun game. This is great. <laughs> so those are all the swords uh, people in the tarot. Um, the last one we're going to talk about today is the Pentacles family. Money, 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 money. money. Uh, treat roots barrel and twist through the dark soil and sediment, taking hold and tightening their grip into the earth's murky core. This master stabilization process allows the tree to bloom its mighty trunk and extend its baby branches towards the sky, reaching towards its highest and fullest potential. That's beautiful writing. Well, thank you. <laughs> Just like the tree, the rich and mighty element of earth plants itself into the tarot's suit of pentacles by digging deep and anchoring itself into the cards. When the suit of pentacles appears in a tarot reading, get ready to hunker down as this means it's time to put your nose to the grindstone, work hard, and reach your highest potential. The four worker bees in the suit of pentacles remind you it's time to start quote-unquote adulting. Always focused on the task at hand, these four court cards like to learn, work, and make money. They may encourage you to pursue higher education and or apprenticeships, set goals, and achieve, achieve, achieve. They're down-to-earth features, dark brown or black hair, brown eyes and olive skin. Carol, I'm looking at you. Practical personalities, any of the earth signs, Virgo, Capricorn, or Taurus. Uh -huh. And dependable character traits can earn anyone's trust and respect. Below, we see what we can dig up on these four earthy individuals and what it means when they appear in a tarot spread. Okay. I'm ready. Here we go. The Page of Pentacles. The page is a child who has not quite hit puberty, yada, yada, yada. All the pages are the same. He can be quite serious, predictable, and focused for his age. He takes on responsibility easily and likes to earn money and have nice things. As the pentacles represent physicality or the physical body, it may also embody great athletic ability. If not representing a child, this card can suggest the beginning of a new job or business venture. It may mean going back to school to learn a new skill, obtain a degree, or it could indicate it's time to start work on building a hobby into a business. Now is the time to hone your craft or nurture your talent as it may take time to get it to a professional level. This card can also suggest starting a healthier diet, exercise plan, relax and de-stress, or set more time aside to enjoy sensual pleasures. If the page is reversed or compromised, then he may bring bad news. You may suffer a small loss of money or a disappointment. The reverse page wants money and the nice things in life, but doesn't want to work for it. He may be given information or advice he refuses to listen to. He may skip school or drop out altogether. He may struggle to learn or just lose interest. The page may ignore his health, become depressed, bored, and exhausted. He may even neglect his hygiene. In regards to a project, this card can indicate a lack of progress, poor planning, dropping the ball, or no long-term focus planned out. For celebrities, I was thinking about who worked really hard as a child. So I thought, well, you know, like Britney Spears and Miley Cyrus as kids were always having to either be on TV or performing concerts, that type of thing. So I put them up there. And I'm thinking Ru Rupert um, or the, <laughs> you know, the actor that plays Ron on Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, he definitely would be the one that just skipping classes right. and doesn't want to work hard, but still wants all the good things in life. He'd be you the know, reverse comes from a poor page. family. Yeah. <laughs> working hard to get that money yeah. that he wants. Yes. 
Plus, he's a ginger, so, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. The next one, of course, is the Knight of Pentacles. This knight is a steadfast young man. He has not settled down yet as he is too busy plotting his course. He is dependable, observant, hardworking, practical, and trustworthy. He doesn't do anything quickly. You always know where he is and when he is going to be there, as there are a few surprises with the Knight of Pentacles. He loves anything of a physical nature, athleticism, working out, sex. He is methodical and faithful. Because he is of the earth, he tends to move slowly and can even be considered a bit boring. But what he lacks in excitement, he makes up for in stability and security. His earthy nature can also make him quite stubborn and stuck in his ways. It's his way or the highway. If he appears in a spread, it may indicate it's time to go to college or a trade school to develop your skills. If not representing a person, this card can indicate the day-to-day tasks of ordinary living or moving forward at a slow clip-clop pace. It may also suggest one going through a slow physical change. If the night is reversed or compromised, then he can be lazy, depressed, bored, and neglectful. He can have commitment problems, become impatient, and careless. He isn't someone that elicits much trust. He can also not hold a job, but blames everyone but himself. The compromised knight does not value money, therefore he never has any interest in pursuing it. He may have gambling problems or just financial problems in general. He could spend too much money on random stuff and then stress out over how he's going to pay for it. Physically, the knight can become either incredibly lazy and just lay around or the opposite. He may obsess about working out. This card could indicate some obstacles coming up in your life. It could mean being overly tired and filled with apathy or not being able to find real meaning in your work. It could also indicate unemployment or having no direction or mobility. So for a celebrity, I put like, this is kind of a weird one. I guess I put Jimi Hendrix. (laughs) And the reason I picked him is because of he's got kind of like a strong physical presence to him and just I don't know that's not the right fit not Jimi Hendrix who why did I pick Jimi Hendrix I think at that kind of a vibe of a sexual vibe maybe or maybe uh I I never think of the pentacle suit as being sexy really I guess I do because of the physical nature oh yeah kind of sensuous stuff earthy I was thinking of, you know what it was? I was thinking of Woodstock. Who was at Woodstock? You know, that was such an earthy event. So that's why, oh, Jimi Hendrix. But he doesn't really fit the Knight of Pentacles. I'm not really sure who does. Maybe from Harry Potter, the Weasley twin brothers that are trying to get their business launched. (laughs) Oh, there you go. While they're going to school. That makes sense. They're very entrepreneurial in nature and they're always about ways to make money. Yeah. Who's a Mm -hmm. strong entrepreneurial type in your life? Yeah. That's what you should think about. The Queen of Pentacles. Your card, Carol. Yes. The Queen of Pentacles is a very sensual woman (laughs) and a passionate lover. I think we both know that's true. Who have you been listening to? (laughs) A natural nurturer and What's being said about me online? (laughs) Oh, I've just been giving out, you know, references for you. (laughs) That's hilarious. Um, a natural nurturer and mentor, she loves to take care of her children and build her nest. Yes. Fully embodying the traits of her sign, she is hardworking, dependable, pragmatic, self-sufficient, and wealthy. She believes in tradition. Tradition. 
She loves to spend her money on material things. She loves the best life has to offer. Oh, that's true. <laughs> and those that she believes in. She likes to take care of others. She is also very capable in business and can create her own prosperity. She is an excellent homemaker, providing a beautiful home and all the best quote unquote stuff for her family. The queen also promotes a healthy living lifestyle through a balanced diet and exercise plan. She is highly attuned to nature, is practical and down to earth. The reversed or compromised queen is overly materialistic and obsessed with her money. She may take on an elitist attitude or only pursue others if they have money. Her motherly qualities fall apart and she rejects her family and their needs. She can be unfaithful in her marriage or primary relationship. She can struggle with her finances or lose social status. Her house is chaotic and her children run run. <laughs> her, her house is chaotic and her children run wild or just the opposite. <laughs> She is rigid and controlling about housework, controlling of her children and obsessed with her appearance, constantly exercising and dieting. She may suffer from digestive issues. She may work too much and neglect her family. She can be prone to mood swings, can't do anything for herself and relies heavily on others to help her becoming mistrustful and insecure. So once again, for celebrity, I was thinking of hippies. <laughs> oh, of course you were. <laughs> and I picked Stevie Nicks. Oh, and I'm picking um, Mary from Downton Abbey. She's very snobby and very practical. So and... that's the reversed, the reversed queen then. Well, she's got really both, both sides. Okay. She can be a bitch, <clears throat> but she's also very practical and cares about her family. And okay, yeah, all right, cool. And finally, the last one is the King of Pentacles. The King of Pentacles is a mature man most likely married with a family. The king typically refers to a wealthy, successful businessman or at least a man who has learned to achieve in his own way. The king is an excellent provider, good with money, a good leader or manager, hardworking, productive, and strong. The king is aware of his status and gives back to society and charity. The king is typically a man in power, such as a CEO or in a leadership role of some kind. He is driven to build his place in the world and establish his power. He is tremendously ambitious, wise, and disciplined and provides security and protection for his family. He is very healthy and he loves good food, wine, and sex. He also loves sports and exercise. The king can appear as a mentor for those who need help in business or finance. This card can indicate that making money takes time and you must have patience to move forward. The reversed or compromised king of pentacles is controlling, stubborn, domineering, and highly materialistic. He is overly focused on his possessions and money and is abusive of his power. He may use his position and money to unfairly influence politics or business dealings. He can be jealous, crass, and insensitive, exploiting his people and his resources. A tyrant, the king can be highly corrupt and suffering from a Napoleon complex. He is very easy to bribe and conducts unfair and shady business practices. He can cling to his elitist and arrogant behaviors, not wanting to work for his wealth anymore. He does not value money in the right way. Therefore, it can slip through his fingers, causing him to react even worse. If not representing the king, this card can indicate feeling undervalued or feeling taken advantage of at work, causing one to refuse to cooperate. This card can also indicate over or reckless spending. It may suggest sluggish finances or being overwhelmed by money problems or a loss of status or power. This stress can lead to overeating and digestion issues and a lack of energy. So for celebrities, I put Arnold Schwarzenegger, mm. uh, Ram Das, Ken Casey. They're kind of hippie-like. 
type people. And I'm going to go for Harry Potter again <laughs> okay. and choose Lucius Malfoy. Oh, okay. Nice. Because, you know, I think he's kind of corrupt. I think he is all about status and money and he'll resort to, you know, doing some bad things in order to keep it. But publicly, he still earns a lot of respect. Sure. Well, there you go. So those are the court cards for the um, swords and pentacles. Mm -hmm. Hopefully, uh, if you guys have anything to add or you just think that we're playing wrong, let us know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's hard to think of celebrities on the spot. Sometimes, yeah. People aren't all one side or the other. They're usually a combination of all of those. In different circumstances, they can be different things. I guess that's why we always kind of use the um, card that represents your horoscope closest as like, for example, Taurus Mm -hmm. is queen of pentacles, which she's on earth and I'm the queen of wands because that's a fire. So if it shows up in the spread and I'm reading about you, it looks like that's your card. I'd be like, oh, this is influencing your decision. She's in your spread. Yeah. This is the person that you know. Yeah. I always take it to mean there there's me or there's you. Yeah. That's how I see it. Well, depending on where that card is placed in the spread. Right. For, for sure. sure. Yeah. So oh, give us an astrology. We said for sure. It. For sure at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Jinx, you owe me a Coke. Okay. So we're fast approaching the Virgo season. Hello, Virgo. Starting August 23rd and ending September 23rd. So mm-hmm. big shout out to all the Virgos getting ready to celebrate their birthday soon. Hey, Virgos. Woo. Yeah. Now, I like Virgos because they can handle retrograde planets better than most signs because they're very careful planners. They rarely need to go back and correct mistakes. And this is really good because with Mercury now retrograde and all the other planets we mentioned in our previous Astro Update episodes, Mm -hmm. you likely will be one of the few signs that don't get a wrecking ball to your plans. So this year, so far for you, Virgo, it has not been easy. The Virgos I know have been through hell and back, but I have good news for you. You've proven how resilient you are and everyone notices a big change in your personality. So it's probably your energy level coming back and the excitement to be celebrating a new birthday year with new goals. Cool. You have a glow about you, strong magnetism and charisma that will be turning heads and pulling back old flames into your life. You may also uncover something about yourself that is missing from your present relationships in your personal and professional life, and you are revisiting the past, catching up on memories that made you feel vibrant and happy. Nice. Some Virgos may get swept off their feet by a new love interest, and others are trying to turn up the passion or excitement to existing relationships. Either way, you can expect your birthday month to help you redefine what you truly want in a partnership. If you are in a committed relationship already, make sure you aren't taking a splash in someone else's pool this summer because (laughs) you will surely be found out. Whoa. Yep. Foreign travel is also likely for many Virgos this fall. And professionally, you can see a boost to finances this year. Your North Node, you see, is in your 10th house of career. So some of you will be receiving prestigious promotions. And that includes maybe a foreign influence and travel or perhaps you'll be beginning a brand new way of receiving income. Think back to the years of 2004 and 2005. Whatever themes were going on for you, this year may highlight a new beginning to balance out any issues occurring in those years. One thing to keep in mind, 
in the last half of 2023 and into 2024 is to make sure you're communicating everything with the utmost integrity and be transparent with your concerns and feelings. You have some important transits happening in the 8th and 12th houses, which are very transformative astrological houses. The 12th house is called the house of undoing. So be aware of self-sabotage and secrets. Hmm. Make sure you dig deep into your spiritual well for the strength and courage to speak your heart to those people that need to hear from you. Some Virgos will also be receiving some money from unexpected sources or relatives. Hello. Yes, in late 2023 and into 2024. So the burdens that you've had in shouldering other people's trauma since 2020 can finally be set aside for some personal needed fun. Cool. Go out and have a beautiful birthday, Virgo. You deserve to celebrate everything you've accomplished and endured. Party, party, party. (laughs) So like I promised, Holly, in our last Tarot Talk Astrology Update episode, I will now talk about the different astrology systems and how to pick the one that you feel meets your goals and best suits your interests. Yay! Yes. So for this episode, I'm just going to go over the two popular ones used, Western Tropical Astrology versus Vedic astrology and the differences between them. Awesome. Of course, the debate is never ending with staunch supporters defending their system as number one, number one. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) But we should have had our trusted Vedic astrologer on to explain it from her point of view because she is an expert at the Vedic system, but I will try and do my best. Okay. Um, Personally, I think both systems have their merits and it just depends on what you might value or prefer in a tool like astrology. So let's talk about the history and origins. Western astrology developed in ancient Mesopotamia around 2000 BCE, and as the practice spread, it was further refined by the Greeks and the Romans. It followed the tropical zodiac based on the position of the sun relative to the Earth's seasons. The signs remain fixed in relation to the equinoxes and solstices. It considers all the well-known planets and their positions at the time of birth, and in consideration of predictions, uses the solar-based calendar. Now, in Vedic astrology, it is believed to have been originated in ancient India with roots in the Vedas. These are some of the oldest sacred texts to be known, which were written in Sanskrit. It is thought to have some origins as far back as 5000 BCE. It follows the sidereal zodiac based on where the star constellations are aligned with the earth and where they are in that given month. This means that the sidereal system has changed one degree every 72 years. The tropical system remains the same even as the stars move. The birth chart is based on the positions of the moon, and there is more emphasis given regarding the lunar nodes of Rahu and Ketu, also known as the North Node and South Node. Vedic also does not recognize any of the outer planets like Pluto, Neptune, or Uranus. So when they get decommissioned as being planets, then it's no big deal. It's no big deal for them. Yeah. Yeah. They also don't consider asteroids as having any influence upon the person or world events. However, recently, some popular astrologers claim that there is a Nadi Granta, or sacred Vedic text, that mentions that in the future, people will use other planets perhaps including Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto for prediction. So some Vedic astrologers are now adding them to their chart analysis, especially for world events, because those planets are thought to be very relevant for the collective. I am seeing a growing trend to combine some of these features in both systems, 
just like how many Western practitioners are now adding emphasis to the lunar nodes when reading the charts. So they're combining them together? They're using aspects that weren't um, specifically done in the traditional method of analyzing. So yes, Western astrology typically didn't analyze the lunar nodes. I see. That was more of a Vedic thing. Okay. And the Vedic systems don't consider those outer planets, but some of them are now doing that. So they are starting to cross the streams a little bit. Yes. So let's talk now about the procession of the equinoxes. This is one of the arguments that Western astrology is less accurate because the Western system ignores the procession of the equinoxes, leading to a slight misalignment between the signs and the actual constellations. Every year, it gets changed by one degree. Now, some people think that's very small, but over time, that can be a big deal. And to some people's surprise, the sun sign has now also changed for them, which causes much stress and anxiety, as we are all greatly attached to our zodiac sign and identify with the traits of that sign. I won't try to throw in the 13th sign, Ophicus, which was reported to be discovered by NASA and headlined all over the media a few years back, throwing everyone into a tizzy. According to the movement, here are the real dates for each sign as to be follows. Okay. Aries, April 13th through May 14th. Taurus, May 15th through June 15th. Ooh, just barely squeaked by on that one for me. Gemini, June 15th through July 14th. Well, my whole family is now Gemini. (laughs) (laughs) Cancer, July 15th through August 14th. Leo, August 15th through September 15th. Virgo, September 16th through October 15th. Libra, October 16th through November 14th. Scorpio, November 15th through December 14th. Sagittarius, December 15th through January 13th. Made it. Yes. Capricorn, January 14th through February 11th. Aquarius, February 12th through March 12th and Pisces, March 13th through April 12th. Now, Susan Miller, who is a very famous Western-based tropical astrologer, covered this debate on the procession of the equinoxes, saying, quote, you don't glean your personality from the constellations. You get your qualities from the planets. In her report, which she has on her website at susanmiller.com, she shows you why there cannot be a 13th sign why the procession of the equinoxes are not relevant or material to your sign, and that no one ever discovered a new constellation in regards to the zodiac. As a point of information, today the International Astronomical Union is the sole authority for assigning designations and names to celestial bodies, and they have divided the sky into 88 sections or quote-unquote constellations. There was no new constellation discovered that changes your sign, end quote. She goes on to say that scientists freely admit they've never studied astrology nor understand any of the algorithms on how we calculate a chart. You can read all about her research further for those who are curious, and I will link to her information in our credits. Mm, Cool. So let's talk now a little bit about the planetary dignities. Western astrology places a significant emphasis on the sun sign. That's a zodiac sign where the sun is placed and saying that it is the primary influence on one's personality. Also, the sun is considered the most important planet for us because without the sun, life would not be possible. It also makes sense for Western astrologers because we use the solar calendar over here in the West. 
Now, for Vedic astrology, they consider the moon sign. The zodiac sign where the moon is placed is the most important crucial factor, they say. For the moon indicates our emotional nature and mental state, which proponents to the system feel is the key to true personal happiness. Plus, we are typically made up of water, which is very much controlled by the lunar cycles. By the moon, yep. And it also makes sense because it follows the lunar calendar. Well... A lot of Western uh, proponents say, well, the moon's not even real, people. We know it's just a fake satellite up there. <laughs> we know it's a death star. I, just, I had to throw a little conspiracy in there. Yeah. Anyway, and, and I don't know how this works for the flat earth people, which, which, you know, system is best for them. But anyway, the timing <laughs> techniques, the Vedic astrology focuses on the Lord or planetary rulers of the zodiac houses. And it utilizes the concept of nakshatras called the lunar mansions. It divides the zodiac into 27 segments. They provide detailed insights into an individual's personality and life events. And these rely on planetary periods called dasas and subperiods called bhaktis, which can offer more accurate timing of events. There is so much to learn regarding this method. It takes years of study to master and is considered very intricate and complicated to explain to the average person. But it is also very wonderful for a deep dive analysis into someone who wants a very specific question or an area of concern for someone to be answered. In Western astrology, which it doesn't use the nakshatra system, they typically focus on the sun sign's characteristics and they use transits, which is the current planet positions and progressions, the advancement of natal positions, for forecasting of their timing and predictions. It also puts a great emphasis on the house angles, the planetary aspects like conjunctions and trines and the degrees of planets in the individual houses and signs. So using these predictive methods, Western astrology tends to concentrate more on psychological analysis, relationship dynamics, and personal growth. It is not tied to a specific religion, but to metaphysics as a whole, and therefore can in incorporate a number of methods of analysis and doesn't require belief in deities or in any understanding of karma. But it does use Greek and Roman mythology to convey traits and characteristics assigned to the stars and planets. But in Vedic astrology, the system puts more emphasis on predicting life events and giving a fatalistic approach due to karma. Huh. It attaches deities, which are associated to the planets. The practice of Indian astrology includes remedies for mantras and acts of service, which are to appease the Hindu gods that are responsible for issuing out the judgment of karma. I found Vedic readings to be, in general, less positive and more based on a depressing future that stemmed from matters out of my own hands or a past life I have no remembrance of having. The absolutes can be brutal to hear, but it really depends on the astrologer and their manner of delivery. For example, the astrologer that Holly and I use, our Vedic astrologer, and a couple of others that I've gone to, um, we're very warm and positive with their predictions. So perhaps it is more a cultural upbringing and how they were taught. Yeah. So mm. to give an example, 
I had readings done in the same month of my birthday last year in 2022. One from a Western astrologer who I didn't know Mm -hmm. and also a Vedic astrologer who I've not gone to in the past. Okay. I compared them both equally later, one year later, as to which reading was more accurate. Okay. Surprisingly, neither system accurately predicted the loss of my job last year. Oh, interesting. They both pointed out a change in my position, but both thought it a very positive one because... According to both Vedic and Western astrology analysis, there would be no financial loss or stress with money from what they could see up to my next birthday, which was last May. You would assume money restrictions to always be the case with a job loss, but their predictions were a bit off because of a severance I received. So assumption about why a change in the career was wrong and can be misleading for people who really need to prepare in advance. They were correct. The position changed and they were right. Both of them in telling me my upper management would probably be losing their jobs, which that did also happen. Okay. Um, And both Vedic and Western astrologers predicted travel for me and my family over the summer. So overall they predicted issues almost exactly the same way. They both had hits and misses. So one big difference, though, I did notice is that with Western astrologers, they will not commit to the specific timing of events, but instead they guide the person to a season of possible outcomes and therefore can seem a bit generic and lackluster. However, the Vedic readings I have gotten more recently, despite the reputation of narrowing down specific answers to questions and dates, have focused more on general ideas of trends to come or possibilities of dates. I think many astrologers are seeing the wisdom of steering away from specific timing and outright predictions. There are forums discussing how tried and true methods that Vedic astrologers have relied on for centuries are lately giving wonky results for people. So there's a lot of discussions as to why this might be happening. Well, we are in the upside down. Yeah, yeah. I blame it on CERN. Maybe maybe the UFO energies maybe. Are, are stirring things up across around. the galaxy. Yeah, But it's interesting that if humanity continues 11,200 years from now, maybe we'll have to really decide on one system over the other. Because at that point, Western astrology and Vedic astrology will be exactly opposite one another. <laughs> interesting it will be completely opposite one another yeah, in yeah, the zodiac for yeah. their predictions so huh. so which one to study well i'd say choose western astrology to study if a you're interested in psychological analysis and understanding personal traits you prefer a system that aligns with the earth seasons and an easier to understand and remember you know, um, as far as your signs and terminology versus your moon and side real zodiac sign, which will probably be very different than what you thought. Uh-huh. Um, study Western if you seek guidance in areas like relationships and self-discovery. Mm-hmm. And if you have a background in Western culture and relate more to your sun sign and the tropical zodiac, because it's really hard to switch uh, once you have that ingrained in your right. mind. Right, go back and forth between the two systems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also, if you prefer a system that is not tied to the Hindu religion and the requirements for remedies to change or enhance your fated events. But I will say, you know, many of the Vedic astrologers that are practicing now, especially in the West, are tailoring it more to leaving out religious aspects altogether, sure. yeah. which I think is smart. Yeah. Um, 
And then typically the appointments for Western readings are less expensive and they're Mm -hmm. more relevant to a modern lifestyle. For example, I was once told by a Vedic practitioner, I would be really well suited to carry water jugs or to be in a service role to the king or royalty. So, (laughs) I mean, they should have adjusted it you know, to my lifestyle, meaning I was to live my life in the basement of Downton Abbey or something, but you know, um, you can't keep me in the corner. No, (laughs) you can't keep your baby in the corner. No, I chose Western astrology for myself. So if you believe in the collective influence of world events through planetary alignments and configurations versus the stars, which by the way, I could never leave out Pluto, Neptune, and Uranus, Those are such transformative planets that I've personally witnessed great change on the planet. Yeah. Then Western astrology is for you. Right. Choose Vedic astrology if you're more interested in karma, reincarnation, and your life's destiny or purpose. You prefer a system that accounts for exact equations and precession of the equinoxes, and that is accepted more widely throughout the world as more accurate. Right. You want a more event-oriented approach with specific predictions for major life events. And you don't mind the extra study involved and the overwhelming amount of information. Choose Vedic if you want a detailed analysis over specific issues and you don't mind paying higher fees for the consultation. <laughs> and choose Vedic if you can overcome any language barriers with cultural differences, terminology that is typically associated with the Vedic system. And again, I'd stress lately you can find many Indian and other practitioners of Vedic uh, raised right here in the United States who definitely tailor the reading according to our beliefs and culture. And in summary, Mm -hmm. you might want to get readings from each astrology system and see like myself over a period of a couple of years to determine which system was more accurate in its timing and predictions. Ultimately, the choice between Western and Vedic astrology depends on your personal interests, cultural background, and the type of astrological insights you're seeking. Both systems offer valuable perspectives and can complement each other in understanding the complexities of astrology. I resonate more with Western astrology, but I do respect the science and years of tradition and true methods for calculations and predictions from the Vedic systems. However, I feel it is more important to understand the timing and psychology of events in seasons or periods of transits because exact dates never pan out, even from Vedic astrologers. I think the quality of the reading and accuracy is more dependent on the abilities of the astrologer themselves and their natural intuition at reading the charts. For example, how long have they studied? How confident are they in making predictions? Mm -hmm. If you can study a variety of systems over time, you will be able to know the best system that suits you and beliefs. And there are also other systems, too, we can discuss in the future that are less popular but used for interesting reasons. So, Holly, I think it would be hella funny to ask our tarot cards which system it thinks is best. Yeah. Do you think it'll offend the cards? Like, because they think think they're the best um, (laughs) system for predicting future events? Yeah. I think they might just burst into flames (laughs) due to the indignation. (laughs) How dare you think of using us? Astrology, what? Using astrology. But let's do it. Okay. We'll be right back. The red light is on and it's solid. That Woo-hoo. means it's recording. <laughs> go, go, go. Gadget. Yay. All right, Carol, do you want to go first or you want me to? Um, mm. I'll go first. Okay. Um, so I'm using the Cosmic Tarot. Cool. Those are cool looking cards. I forgot who designed it. I didn't bring my box, uh, mm, card okay. box with me, but I'll put it on the 
credit links. Okay. I drew for Vedic. Um, I, I did more cards than usual. Yeah. Um, just to get a really thorough reading. Mm-hmm. I got Justice, Judgment, the Four of Pentacles, Ace of Swords, and the Six of Wands. So ultimately, I do think Vedic astrology will win out as being the best system out there. So for Western, I got the Knight of Wands, the Tower card, King of Cups, Death, and the Star card. And so how I'm interpreting this is that eventually the Western astrology system will morph into something different. And I think that's going to happen with the advent of AI. I think AI will be able to perform calculations at light speed. I think the interpretation will morph into more accurate positions, making sort of a Western astrology system using also um, the procession calculations within it, kind of combining systems. I really do see that happening. Okay. Um, Or it will just get phased out altogether, which is a shame. Um, I think it has great value and I think it's really... um, worldwide very easy to understand and use Mm -hmm. um you know just the actual individual person can probably figure out most of the basics on how to read their chart Mm -hmm. which i think is a really great thing to have when you're trying to kind of make decisions and and you don't want to have to pay for someone to do that yeah um what did you get so i'm using the light series tarot by chris ann which is one of my favorite decks and I use it a lot on the show um, for Vedic astrology um, I got two major arcanas and a minor arcana I got the moon judgment and the ten of wands I got judgment too <clears throat> yeah karma that's yeah. the karma cards totally karma yeah. and fate yeah mm-hmm. so and then for western astrology I pulled the three of wands the three of pentacles and the seven of pentacles so to mm-hmm. me the way I interpret this is just like what you just said I feel like the um, a Vedic astrology is more about your soul's journey yes so to me a vedic is probably the longer it's the older system and it's more about the transcendence of your soul and the lessons you're here to learn so that you can rise up your you can pay your karmic debt and rise up to the next level of ascension essentially Mm -hmm. and so i see that with the moon you know it's your that's a very psychic card it's very soul-like energy that your um your soul is made of that water and and vedic follows the lunar yes and it it follows the lunar Mm -hmm. calendar followed by judgment which is the karmic card and Mm -hmm. in my particular card you see the soul ascending out of the girl's body yeah Yeah. so that's very much and then the last card is the ten of wands which means that ten of wands is typically a card of burdens so as you go through each of your life challenges or soul challenges and you are able to resolve them, you go on to the next burden and then the next burden. So it's the kind of like the the soul path for you. Yeah. Whereas Western astrology, you have the three of wands, the three of pentacles, the seven of pentacles. That is about um, your your lifetime right now and the, the day-to-day of what you're going through in this lifetime right now. So it's on a smaller scale, in my opinion. And that um, you're just learning how to be in the world, like the three of wands. You're looking out over the horizon. What do I want to do here? What do I want to experience? 
three of pentacles. What skills do I want to develop? What relationships do I want to develop? How am I going to get along in my community? Seven of pentacles. What kind of opportunities will I take? So it's dealing, you're feeling like Western is more applicable to our material daily struggle. Yeah. And the Vedic is more for About the higher your, principles. And all, the your lives, all your lives. All your lives. Yeah. All evolution. the lives that you ever live yeah. will be the Vedic card. So to me, the Vedic one is a, is also the bigger one because it is dealing more with the soul versus just your day-to-day life in this lifetime. Sounds good. I'm going to go out and crush some like 800 coconuts now. Okay, great. To Do get it. my karma. Will you balanced. actually crush 16 and that way you'll take care of mine as well? <laughs> 1600. You mean 1600? Yeah, 1600 coconuts. I think for your karma I need to I need to smash 2000 coconuts. <laughs> <laughs> I just go, probably I go, okay. Just just for today I'm anyway. Just joking, yeah. <laughs> Anyway. Well, that's it for us, you guys. Uh, we hope you have a good night. We'll see you yes. next week. Embrace for the yacht of God. Oh, my God. It's coming. <laughs> okay. <laughs> have fun. Bye. Bye. Because he's of the earth, he tends to move slowly and can even be considered a bit boring. But what he lacks in... in, in hmm. The night can be a bit of a perfectionist. Highly opinionated, arrogant, impatient, focused, communicate. Nah, no. The queen can intimidate and demand the absolute best. As the flames die down, do remain undaunted. Though all hitchhikers are ghosts and all dolls are definitely haunted. Hey guys. Be sure to follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at Fireside Phantoms. If you have a spooky story you would like to share with us, send it to firesidephantoms at gmail.com and you may hear it on a future episode.